Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or ever wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the United States uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in. Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installation's a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, Gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Creams and serums are made of 70% water, 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in um, Three Body Problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums, as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. It's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome to the Game of Roses. Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Bachelor Clues, and today I have prepared something very special for you. As I'm sure you all know, Pace Case and I have invented a language 
that we use to speak about our beloved game. It contains a lot of acronyms, a lot of initializations, a lot of special phrases and words that we use to describe not only the players and the plays, but events that recur every season in the game, the things that really define it. And this is no different than any other professional sport. Baseball has its own language. Football has its own language. And so now we have our own language. And as a new listener, it may be difficult to understand some of the things that we're talking about. You may be wondering, what is a PTC? What does that mean? Well, today, right now, in this episode, you're going to find out what it means. And for anybody who already knows all of this stuff, if you have friends and you want to drag them into the pit, this is the episode that you can give them to say, here is what these people are talking about. So I'm just going to go through our list and kind of explain what each of these things is. Hopefully it will help illuminate some new listeners and I hope you enjoy it. This list, by the way, is ever increasing. So I'm sure there will be another one of these episodes in about a year. But until then, I hope you enjoy the Gore Gore Lexicon. First term. 4TRR. That's the number for the letter T, the letter R, the letter R, and it stands for for the right reasons. The alternative of that obviously being 4TWR for the wrong reasons. This phrase describes the primary structural rule of the game that a player is only participating in this game to find love and any monetary gain, increase in Instagram followers, fame, any kind of secondary gains that they receive from being on the show is purely incidental. This is the fundamental rule of the game. Producers can't break it. Players can't break it. Not even the leads can break it. And as long as a player's conveying for TRR, they can pretty much do anything they want. The next term is the colorful narrator. Now, this is a role that any player can take on during the confessional portion of the game or the ITMs in the moments. Those are the interviews that producers conduct with players where they are direct addressing the camera in a pure parasocial gaze. When they do these, they can kind of continuously give this concise comedic recounting of the night's events or the season's events. They can give funny descriptions of other players. These are players like Demi. I would even argue Victoria Larson in the current season of Bachelor is bordering on this. But basically, the colorful narrator is the player who is the most vibrant on camera in these ITMs. And the producers will use them again and again to come back and kind of narrate what is happening in the season so they get more screen time. The next term is the COTA, the C-O-T-A, which stands for the Ceremony of the Ancients. This is an event that is usually reserved for playoff rounds. Playoff rounds are hometowns and fantasy suites. Every season, This involves the bachelor and a player encountering an elderly couple in a public space who divulge the secret to lasting romance to our player and our lead. Very usually, the ancients are locals in a town abroad, or they are not in any way affiliated with the game. But on occasion, they will be the parents, grandparents, some relatives of one of the players or leads. The next term is the Council Council of Crowns. Crowns. 
This is an event that takes place at the beginning of each season in which two or more past crown winners, that's bachelors or bachelorettes, converge to deliver advice to the incoming bachelor or bachelorette, usually over a round of drinks, and you usually get some funny jokes going back and forth about trying not to kiss too many people on night one. But this Council of Crowns is something that especially on The Bachelor, Sean Lowe has been in like the last five of them. (laughs) He is always part of the Council of Crowns because he is the most revered lead in the show's history. The next term is the crown, Crown. which I just talked about in Council of Crowns. The crown just means the lead. This is the honor given to bachelor and bachelorette. The next term is the The dwab, spelled D-W-A-B-B, That stands for Days Without a Black Bachelor. It was measured from March 25th, 2002, which was the first airing of The Bachelor. And this number constantly increased until it just went down to zero with the first episode of Matt James' season. Which leads us to our next term, the The Dwab, spelled D-W-A-A-B. This is just like the Dwab, except it is Days Without an Asian Bachelor. And that number is continuing to grow. The next term is FIMP. F-I-M-P. This stands for First Impression Rose. We all know what a First Impression Rose is. It is the single rose given to one player, usually, on night one. That is the most valuable rose in the game, aside from the final rose and the first flower which we will get to in one second. But the FIMP guarantees a player safety through the first night one rose ceremony, which is, by all measures, the most difficult to survive. The FIMP was first introduced in season five. That was Jesse Palmer as Bachelor. It disappeared in season six. It came back in season seven. And that Bachelor, Charlie O'Connell, was actually given two FIMP roses to hand out. And then it had an evolution where it was being delivered by bartenders, where it was not left on the table, where the bachelor had to give it out on limo exits. And it took many seasons before it wound up being delivered by the Dark Lord on a silver platter or marble platter or wooden platter. But that is where we are now. And there was one very strange season, season 17. Sean Lowe was the bachelor. He was allowed to give out 12 first impression roses on night one. Our next term is first First flower. flower. This is the rose that is given out to the first player of the rose ceremony. Often, this is given to signify special interest by the bachelor in that player. And on night one, we now know that the fimp rose is not as meaningful as the first flower. The average placement of all fimp rose recipients is 4.85. The average final placement of all first flower recipients is 3.14. So they go a full place further on average than Fimpro's winners. And the first flower has had four crowns, three rings, to the Fimpro's is one crown, one ring. So it is in many ways a better indicator of success in the game than the Fimp. The next term is first responder. This is a designation given to the player who holds and eventually hands the bachelor his first drink on night one 
when he enters the inauguration chamber where he delivers his first toast. This can also be applied to the player who holds and hands the bachelor his drink when he comes in on any round. It doesn't just have to be night one, but the night one first responder is the first first responder. The next term is first First sand. sand. This is a designation given to the first player that we see walk onto the beach in any season of Bachelor in Paradise. There is first male sand and first female sand. The reason this is something to identify and keep track of is because these are the players that the producers think are going to go the furthest, the ones that they're giving the most screen time, and the ones that they're hoping to build long story arcs out of their appearances. The next term is floater. Floater. This is a player who makes it to the travel round which does vary season to season, but usually it's week five, week six. This is a player who can make it that far in the game by drawing very little attention to themselves, presenting no reason to be removed, but also really no reason to be kept through the playoffs. These are players that you know the lead doesn't like, and you know the producers aren't really using for any big rivalry plots or any kind of drama. They're just there, and they're biding their time, and they're getting Instagram followers with every successive week, So floating can be a very valuable strategy. The next term is the four audiences. Now, this is a very important term because the four audiences are really crucial to understanding how to play this game. They are the four audiences that a player is playing to at any given time. Audience one is the lead, is the bachelor or bachelorette. Audience two is the other players. Audience three is the producers, and audience four is us, Bachelor Nation, the people watching the show. A good player has to be aware of every play they're making and how it's going to affect each of these audiences. And we as viewers should also be aware of that because it will affect their time in game. It will affect how they play, how the producers treat them, how the lead might treat them, how the other players might treat them. Season 25, Matt James, we just saw... Sarah Trott, who was a fantastic player by all measures, really screwed up her second audience game and it forced her to do an early self-elimination. So each of the audiences is crucially important and a very good player is playing to all of them simultaneously as often as possible. Our next term is the full royal. This is a designation given to the achievement of winning both the ring and the crown exceedingly rare in bachelor to date there are only three players who have achieved a full royal emily maynard who won the season 15 ring and then was crowned as the eighth bachelorette jen sheft who won the season three ring and then was crowned as the third bachelorette and of course becca kufrin who won the 22nd ring and then became the 14th bachelorette very very difficult to achieve Maybe we'll see some more in the future. The next term is a grim reaper. This is the member of the production staff who enters the mansion or hotel if a player's in a travel round to remove an eliminated player's suitcase. This is a term we did not come up with. Producers named this person the grim reaper. So that should give you some insight into how the producers of the show actually view the game as well, that the person who removes someone's suitcase is literally death. The next term is the Hail Mary. 
This is an all-or-nothing act of desperation employed by a player in an attempt to garner a rose. Often, this is performed by players who have found themselves turtling during a group date or a cocktail party, not getting enough time. Sometimes you will see a Hail Mary happen during a rose ceremony or just before it. This term is borrowed from another sport, football, where the Hail Mary essentially means a team has to score a touchdown in order to win the game or tie the game. It's the last few seconds. So they send all their receivers as far down the field as they can, and the quarterback just throws the ball as far as he can up for grabs, and hopefully something happens. The next term is one that is very dear to my heart, the hoo-joo. It is a shortened form of hug, jump, And this is a mandatory athletic display that requires a player to run toward the bachelor upon first seeing him at the beginning of a date, then jump and cling to him in a tight hug as he stands there supporting the player's full body weight. The standard form of this involves wrapping both legs around the bachelor's torso, although there are variations. We have seen many of them. Madison Pruitt did a kind of dead-legged hooju. We've seen hoojus where the bachelor is made to lift the player up kind of of his own strength so that the jump isn't great. There are a lot of different variations. I am going to be reviewing all of the hoojus of this season in video format on my Instagram at Bachelor Clues. Please check those out. The hoojus are among my favorite sub games within the larger game. And this can also be done, by the way, by a bachelorette to a male player. We have seen a couple of male-male hoojus, but we have never seen a male-to-female hooju. And I'm waiting for that day. It's going to happen. I don't know when, but it will. The next term is... I love Cleveland. This is the state of heightened excitement and enthusiasm that producers force the players to convey when a celebrity guest or travel destination is revealed, no matter how underwhelming these elements might actually be. And this name comes from a group date in season 24 of The Bachelor. That was, of course, PP, which is Pilot Pete, Peter Weber. That was his season. They all literally went to Cleveland, and there was a huge video package of all the players being super excited to be in Cleveland and loving their hotel room and jumping around. And the producers always make players do this. No matter what the situation may be, you have to be excited at all times. That's the I Love Cleveland. The next term is the inauguration chamber. This is the large room into which the bachelor always enters once all players have performed their limo exits. This is where he delivers his first toast and sets in motion the second half of night one cocktails. This is where Matt James, for example, delivered his Christian era prayer to start season 25 of The Bachelor. The next term is KTG, which stands for knife to glass. This is a ceremonial event performed by the Dark Lord himself, Chris Harrison, by touching a knife to a champagne flute three or more times in order to signify the end of each round of play. This is very similar to a buzzer in any other timed sport, basketball, hockey, football. It means no more play. Whatever you've done in that cocktail party, it's over. The Bachelor will now leave and go to a deliberation room where he starts to make decisions with producers about who's getting kicked off, and in what order they will get kicked off. And the sound that the knife makes when it hits the glass is ting, ting, ting. ting. Our next term is the knock-knock. 
This is an event designed by the producers that allows one player to visit The Bachelor outside the context of a normal date, usually at night. They will go to their hotel room. They will find them when they're walking back from a date. In some cases, like Kelsey Weir on season 24, you can actually get a rose out of this. That's extremely rare, but it does happen. And the knock-knock, that term is another one that we did not make up. That's what the producers call that event. And these things can't happen without the producer's help, obviously, because a camera crew has to follow you. You have to get permission to go talk to the lead. All of that is manufactured by the producers. But the knock-knock, it can be a blessing. It can be a curse. Sometimes the producers are setting it up so that you can actually have extra time with the lead. Sometimes they're setting it up so the lead can execute you. The next term is... The love levels. These are the four tiers of emotional escalation that mark a player's progress through the game. Although there are variations, and in some cases there are even subdivisions, there are four basic tiers. Tier one is some form of I like you. I'm having feelings for you. I can't believe I'm feeling like this about you this quickly. Something in that realm. Love level number two, which is exotic, not a lot of players use this or I think even know it exists, is I'm starting to fall for you or some variant of that. I'm starting to fall in love with you. I could see myself falling for you or falling in love with you. I might possibly start to be falling in love with you. There's all kinds of stutter steps that you can add in there to get a little more out of your love level raises. Love level three is I'm falling in love with you or I'm falling for you. You are in the act of falling, but you're not completely there yet. And then number four is I am in love with you. I love you. You're completely there. There's sometimes an extra level that can be added. I'm head over heels for you. I love you more than existence itself. This is not technically a love level five. It's still love level four, but it's just an extra personal flourish that some players like to add once they hit love level four. And in our game, the love levels really are almost like watching a race because players have to hit certain levels before other players or at least at the same time as other players. You're usually wanting to hit love level three by the time you're in playoffs. You're usually wanting to hit love level four at the end of playoffs, usually at the fantasy suite or right after maybe you meet the leads family in the finals. And so you need to pace that out correctly, but you don't want to be too far behind either. You don't want to be saving your love levels and not use them. By the time the game has concluded, by the time your season is done, you should have used all four. The next term is N-O-G. This stands for night one guy or night one girl. And this is a player who's eliminated from the game on night one without ever having won even a single rose. And this can be devastating, obviously, because all of these players put their lives on hold when they find out they get cast. They sink X amount of dollars into a personal wardrobe, stylist, whatever they're going to do to prepare for the season. And then you show up and you get one brutal night and then you go home. And if you're lucky, you might get to come back on Paradise. We have seen some night one guys and night one girls show up on Paradise to do interesting things and carve out a little more of an Instagram following. But This is essentially the risk that every player runs and no one wants to be a night one guy, night one girl. The next term is PTC, personal tragedy card. One of the most important things in the entire game. 
This is a universal play that requires a player to divulge some past tragedy or a hardship experience for their first time in game to garner sympathy. And if used properly, you're going to get a rose. Now, we have seen in recent seasons, especially Bachelorette Season 16, a whirlwind of PTCs. There was one group date where all of the guys on the group date were obligated pretty much to throw out their PTCs simultaneously, and it was just kind of a free-for-all whose PTC was going to win. But if used effectively, a PTC on a one-on-one will guarantee a rose. A PTC on a group date, if no other players played them, guarantees a rose. And PTCs can also be used defensively if someone is accusing you of being their 4TWR, let's say. You can throw out your PTC to the bachelor and you will probably at the very least get a rose in that rose ceremony. It is very difficult for a bachelor to kick someone off after they have played a really hardcore PTC. Even if you don't get the group date rose, it's very likely you're still going to get a rose ceremony rose. But the PTC has been around since the dawn of the game. We've seen a bunch of different types of them. There is heartbreak, there is divorce, there is death, there is addiction, abuse, all kinds of stuff. And it's essentially using whatever kind of past traumas have happened as a play in the game to get that rose, move through to the next round. The next term is the The ring. ring. And just like the crown, this is an award that gets bestowed upon a player. In this case, it is the lead's final choice in a season. What we have come to understand as the winner of a season is the ring. And the selection is usually accompanied with an actual engagement ring designed by Neil Lane, but not always. There have been seasons where the ring was not given, the literal ring was not given. And of course, there have been seasons where the ring was not made by Neil Lane. The next term is Rose Quotient, or RQ score. This is something that we have created, and it is similar to ERA, earned run average, in baseball, if you're a baseball fan at all. It is a statistical metric that illustrates a player's raw ability to win high-value roses outside of rose ceremonies. After receiving at least five roses, the RQ is derived by adding the rose value of each rose one and then dividing by the total number of roses. So lower scores indicate higher levels of skill and a zero would be a perfect score. It has never been achieved by any player in the history of the game. In fact, the lowest rose quotient of all time is held by Caitlin Bristow and it is 0.714. That was in season 19 where she placed third place. She got a first flower, a group date rose, a one-on-one rose, a group date rose, a second flower, a group date rose, and a second flower. Group date roses, one-on-one roses, first impression roses, final roses, knock-knock roses, any special roses, two-on-one roses. Any roses given outside the ceremony are given a zero-point value, and then any rose within the rose ceremony is given a value equal to the order in which it was given. So you can see there, Caitlin Bristow illustrates, I mean, an almost perfect season. She's only got three non-zero point roses, and those values were one, two, and two. Going down the list of the top five, Nikki Farrell from season 18, she was the ring winner. She had a 0.8 rose quotient. Caitlin Miller-Keys had a one rose quotient that was on Colton's season 23, where she came in fourth. 
Tenley Molzan had a 1.14 on season 14, where she came in second, and Jade Roper had a 1.16 on season 19, where she came in fourth. Obviously, all those players are legends of the game, and the Rose Quotient is just one way that we can kind of illustrate a player's skill in getting these high-value roses. The next term is the sacred word defense. This is a preemptive conversation about the overwhelming, almost religious importance of uttering the phrase, I love you, initiated by a player or a bachelor in order to delay the impending love level raise. This conversation, the sacred word defense, is something that any player can use. It's also something a lead can use, but it is especially beneficial to players because it allows you an extra stutter step in raising your love level. You can say, I'm starting to fall for you. You can get to a love level two, and then instead of going all the way to love level three and saying, I'm falling for you or I'm falling in love with you, you can play the sacred word defense and say, well, look, the word love means something to me. It's very special. I only want to say it once, et cetera, et cetera. And it allows you at least a day portion of a date where you can hold off, potentially even that full round you can hold off and get a little more value out of your love level raise. The next phrase is steel fatigue. This is a phenomenon of diminishing returns that occurs after the first three to five players have performed successful steals in a night. And it leaves the bachelor less interested in all following players who attempt steals of their own. So. This is incredibly important for anybody who is still in the game when there's a large amount of players in it. You have to be one of the first three to five players because as the night wears on and it's just a feeding frenzy of steals, the lead does get tired of it and it makes it much more difficult for him to establish meaningful connections with people as the night goes on. Do not be a victim to steal fatigue. The next term is tears. Tears. Pretty self-explanatory. It's an emotional device in every player's toolkit that can be brought out to accentuate PTCs, display a tearing down of walls, and generally convey that the player is for TRR. We saw players like Victoria Fuller use tears to a level that we haven't really seen before. She was able to use them to manipulate PP to do whatever she wanted at whatever time. Generally speaking, Tears should not be overused. They should be used only in these moments where you're going to get extra value out of whatever the play is that you're doing. You can use them for sympathy. You can use them for a defense, but they are most effectively used, tacked onto the end of PTCs or in service of making a claim that some other player is attacking you, making that claim seem that much more believable. The next term is turtling. Turtling. This describes the situation in which a player fails to perform a steal on a group date or at a cocktail party, resulting in her getting no time with the bachelor or bachelorette if it's a bachelorette season. Turtling is, it's simply devastating. It happens every season to at least one player where they don't get time. And now the producers have started to orchestrate dates where turtling is baked into them. Like we just saw in season 25, the group date with Matt James, where they all go uh, and take wedding photos. The producers ended that date halfway through, knowing that it would very necessarily mean some players don't get to talk to him. They forced turtling upon them. So you have to do really whatever you can, again, to be in that first group of people to talk to him because you don't know what producers are going to do. You don't know what other players are going to do. Turtling is just, it is so detrimental to the likelihood of staying that you need to do everything in your power as a player to make sure you do not turtle. 
The next term is IFI. This stands for injury, fear, or illness. And this is a play that requires a player to suffer from the debilitating effects of an injury, fear, or illness. This could be real or faked in order to exempt herself from participating in a date activity, usually some kind of group date that requires some form of physical abuse. And if played properly, the secondary effect is generating one-on-one time with the lead as they're forced to inquire about the player's well-being. We have seen players throughout history do this. Sarah Trott just did an IFI during the last rose ceremony in Matt James's season. That was real. I do believe she was actually fainting. Nonetheless, that is an IFI, and it achieved the exact purpose that an IFI does. It halts whatever is happening. The rose ceremony was put on hold. She goes outside, and it gives her one-on-one time with Matt James, who comes out to check on her. IFIs can be played more frequently than you would possibly imagine. Season 17, Sean Lowe had a player named Tierra Lucchese who played an IFI, I think, every time she was on camera almost. And although many of them were very obviously fake, it still achieved the exact desired effect. Sean Lowe would check on her. Whatever the event was that was happening would be put on hold. So the IFI is an invaluable tool if you can play it properly. The next term is the The Italian Italian steel. This takes its name from a strategy first performed by local Italian players Cosetta Blanca and Agnazzi Polizza. This was in Lorenzo Borghese's ninth season, which took place in Rome, and these two players were the only local women who were part of that player pool. And the reason that it is called the Italian steel is because these two Italian players took Lorenzo back immediately from the two women that stole him from them. So it's kind of like a immediate steal back after the lead has been stolen from you. That is the Italian steal. The next term is an ITM, which stands for in the moment. This is a direct two-camera confessional shot of a player speaking to the fourth audience, us. They're looking at us through the screen in a pure parasocial gaze. These are often loosely scripted by producers and are frequently where players are loading love levels, are loading PTCs, letting us, the audience, know that this is coming up, telling us, I'm starting to fall in love with him. They haven't told the lead yet that, so they haven't actually raised the love level, but they've loaded it. And sometimes these are shot way after the day has been done, whatever the events are. And the producers need to pick up some emotional reaction or narration of play. So in several cases, when you're seeing those ITM shots, they're cut in to make it seem like it's happening simultaneously with whatever the events of the show are. But the truth is, these things are shot hours, sometimes days after the actual events. The next term is the The Jorge Jorge Moreno Moreno Bystander of of the the Week. This is an award that we give out on Game of Roses to a non-player individual who makes a contribution to the game every week, usually featured as a facilitator or some kind of third-party participant in some aspect of a date. And this is named for Jorge Moreno, who was the original bartender on Bachelor in Paradise, who became so successful at it that not only did he become a recurring character in the show, he eventually was able to open his own tour business in Mexico, which he now runs 
and is doing very well because of his celebrity from Bachelor in Paradise. So he really transcended the idea of being this third party bystander into a celebrity within the Bachelor world of his own. This season and last season, we saw Franco Lacosta taking over this role. He was maybe the best Jorge Moreno bystander we've seen since Jorge Moreno. Whoever the producers choose to include in the document that is not a player or a lead or Chris Harrison or a producer is always worth noting. We always find it interesting. Some of them are funny. Some of them are actually crucial to what is actually happening in the day. The next term is loading. loading. And you heard me just reference this. It refers to a player projecting a play that they're going to make before they actually execute it, usually in an ITM, but sometimes to other players also. And this often includes PTCs, PVCs, which is personal virginity card, and love levels. The next term is MMS, MMS. or make me stay. This is a play that is performable at virtually any time in the game. The MMS is a strategy that involves a player subtly hinting or even overtly stating that they're on the verge of quitting the game unless they get a strong sign from the lead that they want them to stay. This usually is a rose, but we saw Sarah Trott do this when she was in her secluded in her room and Matt James comes in and tells her he will literally come to that room and say hi to her every day. She was performing a make me stay there and it worked like a charm. She just left. <laughs> it didn't it didn't work like a charm in that way, I suppose. He didn't actually make her stay, but she did get the correct result. The thing you're looking for from a make me stay is exactly what Matt James did. The next term is the MOTF, M-O-T-F. or meeting of the family. This is a date element in which the player meets one or more members of the bachelor's family or vice versa. Most MOTFs generally occur in the hometown round of playoffs or when the players have to meet the leads family in the final round. But these can happen at any moment. Coach Crystal Nielsen got an MOTF on Ari's season, I believe on her first one-on-one date. She got to meet Ari's family. We saw Madison Pruitt get an MOTF with PP's family very early on on their first one-on-one date when Dark Lord Harrison performed a vows renewal for <laughs> Sweet Nums and 747 Flyer. Those are the Instagram handles of Peter Weber's parents. The next term is the, the night, night one curveball. curveball. This is a shocking event that occurs on night one designed to shake up the Bachelor and the players. This can range from controversial figures crashing the game like the lead's mom or an ex-girlfriend or the prior bachelor or bachelorette. And sometimes it can even change up game dynamics like giving out multiple first impression roses or bringing in a new set of players. And these are always designed to just raise the general anxiety level and to get all the players in the state of heightened competition and fear. The next term is package Package deal. deal. This is when a player reveals that they have one or more children. It can be loaded in an ITM or in a player's intro video, and it's usually played pretty early in game. And for players who are playing the package deal strategy, if they make it far into the game, their child will have to meet the lead or vice versa. If the lead is a single parent, the lead's child will be introduced to players who make it further into the game. The next term is a PFT. PFT. This stands for play for time. This is a type of competition group date where the winner or winners get extra time with the bachelor. This can be in the form of group time if the date requires team competition or one-on-one time if the date requires individual competition. And we have seen both. 
The next term is, of course, the pit. pit. And that is where we find ourselves when you just kind of give in to the fact that you're fucking obsessed with this game and you want to know everything about it and you can't stop watching it and deriving meaning from all of it. And ultimately, it's where Pace Case and I have wound up living in the bottom of this pit where we are consumed 24 hours a day with thinking about the show, thinking about the game mechanics and producing content to describe those game mechanics. But we welcome anyone who wants to join us down here. The next term is skeleton. skeleton. This is some person from a player's past that's brought out by the producers in an attempt to sabotage their playstyle. This can be exes, town gossips, parents can be brought in as skeletons. This happened for Cassie Randolph on Colton season. Once she was making it into the playoffs, they flew her father out specifically to sabotage that relationship, and it worked. So if you're going into the game as a player, you have to be very aware of what types of skeletons they might be able to bring out to try and derail your progress. And the last term that I am going to describe in this augmented version of the Gore Lexicon is walls. Walls. These are explicitly stated emotional barriers that will provide a necessary obstacle for a player or the lead to overcome through the course of the game. Walls are an integral part of any player's strategy. You want to raise them early on, and then you want to bring them down at the exact right moment where the bachelor feels like, or the bachelorette feels like, you need to make some kind of progress. And very usually, They will make that verbally known during the day portion of a one-on-one date. And then the night portion, the dinner portion, is where those walls come down. You can bring a wall down by raising a love level. You can bring a wall down by using a PTC. A wide variety of ways that you can bring these walls down. But the walls basically are an obstacle. It's something that will imply progress to the lead if you can drop them down. So a player should always have walls ready and always know how and when to take them down as well. I hope the explanation of these terms has been helpful to some out there. There are a million other terms. I didn't want to get into the weeds with it. I just wanted to hit some of the main ones that we use a lot in these episodes because I do get messages from time to time from people saying, I love your podcast. I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) So hopefully now it might be a little easier to understand what we are talking about. And as always, thank you very much for listening. Praise be Lord Harrison. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us. And then. Creams and serums are made of 70% water. 15% preservatives and emulsifiers, leaving only around 15% for the active ingredients that your skin needs. But luckily now, there's fiber skincare. 15 years ago, the scientists behind fiber skincare started working on nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. You know, I I saw that in... um... 
factory body problem. Mm. One year ago, they patented a way of wrapping the nanofiber around oil or liquid-based ingredients. This means they can deliver five times the active ingredients compared to creams or serums as there is no need for water, preservatives, or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is plant-based, anti-wrinkle. Uh, it's a set of patches that you use over a series of seven days. You just put these on whenever you would apply your serums and your skin is going to feel tighter in 10 seconds. And over the seven-day oh. program, it has been clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by, get this, 19.4%, a very precise percentage. In fact... Mm. They have a tighter skin guarantee. If your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they're going to give you your money back. No questions asked. You get the tighter skin guarantee with this seven-day routine. Tighter skin or your money back. Get a 15% discount code by using the discount code GAME. That's Fiber Skincare. Sweaters, candles, the dreaded bathrobe, unfortunately, Mother's Day gifts can be a little predictable and boring. That's why an Aura Frame is the perfect gift to mix things up this year. It was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter. Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. My mom loves hers. I'm throwing pictures of Skabuli and our cat up there. She's laughing. She's texting me. He's so cute. I wish I could meet him. Cute. It's the next best thing to, to meeting my cat, really. You know, I love that it was so easy to set it up. I've recently learned I'm not good at uh, building things and I need an easy install. And oh. this only takes about two minutes to set up the frame using the Aura app. Aura frames are Wi-Fi connected, come with unlimited storage so you can share as many photos as you want from your phone to your mom's frame. She'll be grateful it's not another sweater and she'll love the frame to see more of you. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A, Frames.com. Use code ROSES at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 